0: dad bod rap pod episode 130 thanks for pressing the button and you know checking us out once again my name is damon carter aka dim one i am joined by two people one of which needs a haircut uh <laughs> the other of which has somehow grown a mustache seemingly overnight uh Nathan LeBlanc and David Ma. Nate, how's it going? Thanks for noticing my mustache. I'm good. (laughs) The hair is getting wavier and wavier, bro. Dude, it's so so
1: long. It's so long. I don't know what to do about it. I guess I'll have to go to one of these outdoor barbershops at some point. But I have barber loyalty and uh, I don't plan on breaking it necessarily. But uh, yeah, it's getting a little crazy.
0: Yeah, there's, if you listen, there's an Easter egg reference to Johnny Bravo later in the program. Uh, (laughs) Nate is bringing that energy right now. I know you can't see it, but we're doing visual humor for an audio medium. Uh, (laughs) Mr. David Ma, how's it going, man? Hey, man, going good. Um, A little jealous of you guys discussing your
2: thick hair. Locks. Um, it's it's actually a little bit warm in the bay right now. So when I sweat, it just drips down my face, dude, like straight up. Or my hat, my hats just get sweat rings. So you you guys are lucky. You guys are lucky with the forty. Uh, I mean, late thirties, forty plus with hair.
1: Yeah. I do feel lucky. I have to say, it's like uh, I don't have that much going for me, but I do have I do have some hair, <laughs> some hair left.
0: I have a, I have a cousin, a cousin who is kind of a bodybuilderish type guy, like workout, like big guy, but he totally went bald. And every time he sees him, he's like, "If I had your hair, I could
1: do." It. <laughs> I would be buff and have hair.
0: (laughs) I'm like, and yeah, like what? What? You're not even buff. Give me your hair. Yeah, (laughs) it's wasted on me. Um, When we're not talking about our facial hair, uh, we are a rap podcast where we interview rappers and pundits alike. Um, The rap pundit universe is all aflutter because this week or last week, by the time you listen to this was the 25th anniversary of the release of Only Built for Cuban Links, which um, obviously to us is a, and to the culture generally is a huge, huge record. Um, so we're getting a lot of the retrospective uh, pieces coming out, um, including some work by one of the guests on our program today. But let's just start there, man. Uh, Only Built for Cuban Links, 25 years old, came out when I was six. I was knocking it no uh, uh Dave what when did you first hear it and what was your kind of reaction because we're already in the woo universe at this point right
2: totally um, totally but
0: but how did it how did it hit you
2: um I really liked it um I didn't it didn't blow me away I'm uh, we've talked about this before and I've always been more of a liquid swords guy um comparing to the two but having said that um I loved it it what struck me right away was that it was all mafioso shit and I was like, oh, this is like a G-rap album. You know, this is, mm. um, and so it was good to see how that influenced everything later on. I mean, Reasonable Doubt came out there and things like that. And, um, but you know, my, my, my experience with um, Cuban Links when I think about it is that I, um, I did a story with Ray Quan years ago and uh, it was when Cuban Links 2 came out. So we did a revisit of uh, Cuban Links 1 and he was just so affable, man. And, you know, he was just one of those dudes that it's like, um, you know, when you interview or when you talk to the sort of woke rappers, they, they kind of tend to be dicks. Um, <laughs> but then you talk to like the gangsterish fucking dudes and they're like the most nicest guys. And that was Raekwon. He was just so affable, um, very lighthearted, but broke down a lot of the stuff. And, you know, what strikes me is that uh, during our interview, he t- told me that incarcerated Scarfaces" was meant for Jiza. And so that's something that I think about every time I hear the album, um, that Jizza apparently really wanted that beat. And they're just like, oh, I guess, I guess we took it. But um, anyways, just in retrospect, one of the best albums ever. What, what can one say? Right. I mean, what can one say? It's everybody at their peak, really. I mean, you have you have a young, hungry ghost face. I mean, geez, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't get more vicious than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What about what about you, Nate? What What are your impressions of uh, Cuban Links?
1: Um, always been a big fan. Uh, very sad. I did. I did. I bought this on a CD and not tape. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, somebody else tweeted it, but I had the same thought over the weekend. I'm like, I, I bought this on CD, so it was always like the nondescript CD not the purple tape. tape, Uh, I had, I had already gotten out of buying tapes by that point, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it is a great record. It's so interesting to me. I don't think you would find that many people who would say Raekwon is the greatest MC of all time, but you will find a huge passionate group of people that says this is the greatest album. The hip-hop album of all time and that's mm-hmm. an interesting kind of conundrum that i was mm-hmm. thinking about a lot while you and this is not a knock on anything or anyone but like when an album this beloved has an anniversary it makes social media so boring totally it's like totally. instagram is just pictures of the cover pictures right. of a slightly different shot from the session right pictures right. of the back cover pictures of the inner sleeve it's and it's fine and we did it too because like what else are you supposed to do right, right. yeah i mean we love this fucking record it's such a great record um and i i just think it's probably one of rizza's greatest works it's clearly ray greatest work um i like the cuban links too um i think he mm-hmm. nailed it it's mm-hmm. like a, it, that's as good as a sequel can be he announced on his live stream the Friday of the anniversary that he's going to do a third one. That really scares me. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see how that could live up to the first two, but I thought that about the second one, too. Totally, so if I totally. time and care into it and sticks to some of the themes, then hey, maybe we'll get the greatest three album run uh, in history of like thematic albums here. But totally. uh, yeah, it, it's an excellent, excellent record. There's really, It's really hard to find fault with. Um, And I've I've listened to it probably a hundred times in my life and I'll listen to it another hundred. Like I have no plans to stop listening to this.
2: Yes. I I still love the piano clinks on knuckleheads. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, if, if this is, I mean, everybody talks about how cinematic it is and it certainly is. And I mean, you got, you got RZA as the director and Ghostface is the co-star. What else do you really need? You know what I mean? The RZA Um, director. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Damone, what are your thoughts? How does it sit with you now?
0: Um, I, you know, I would have to agree with everything that's that's been said. Um, definitely one of the greatest albums of all time. And it's interesting in rap when you have such a, a consensus, right? Like, um, we've relitigated so many albums and there's these weird contrarian debates that pop up about things. But Cuban Links remains kind of bulletproof in that respect in that um, its greatness is kind of Completely unquestioned, and for good reason. Uh, and I feel like for me, I just remember having this very strident debate with a friend slash coworker, where he's like, "They're not doing kung fu no more," and I was right. like, "This is funner than kung fu. I, I kind of like this. You know what I mean? Like they're incorporating the killer samples into it. The the skits were so incredible. But I just remember I had a friend who was like, ah, "I'm not fucking with this shit." I didn't come here for drug dealer rap. I want Kung Fu. <laughs> That's so
1: funny. That reminds me of uh, when Camp Lowe first reemerged and I was talking to my friends and they were like, oh, wait, they, they're not starting to make sense now, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Right? And it's, like, it it's it's a funny thing to say and it, it totally makes sense and we've all kind of had this little camp renaissance going on with the 80 blocks from tiffany too which i finally listened to and is really really it's good. incredible and, yeah. yeah everyone was right really? like that that's yeah and you should really listen to that demone it's okay. really good it's incredible They sound re-energized and really good. I don't get why that's the theme. And I think it's confusing and it should have been presented differently, but whatever, it doesn't matter at this point. It's on, it's on the services. Listen to it if you want to listen to. But anyway, I just tell that story to kind of like, yes. And your friends thing. It's like, you can't, or you won't be a good fan or you'll never get very much enjoyment out of things if you don't take them on their own terms. And if you just put you like, oh this isn't what I expected, so I don't like it. And like that is no way to go through life. Like you just have to be like, oh, they're not doing kung fu. Oh, they're doing Italian mafia. Mm -hmm. Great. I'm on Mm -hmm. the ride.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, but it it felt like a I don't know maturing is the wrong word, but it was slightly less uh, comic. And there was like a darker, more kind of real life edge to it for me. Mm -hmm. And I I think this is not the first record to deal with these topics, but I think it's the kind of prototype coke rap record. Like these oh, sure. are, these are, this is a very vivid depiction of a of a particular world. And when I look at everything that we consider to be dope in that realm, it's all borrows from Cuban links. Like the, the blueprint that they laid mm-hmm. down there, um, you know, Alfredo speaks to that. The Griselda stuff speaks to uh, of that. Of course. Um, right. Rock Marciano's work speaks to that. So mm-hmm. I think this record still has a has a huge mungus um, shadow that it casts, even over the people who made it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like one of those records where, right, right. in some ways, I feel like Raekwon has been trying to get like out from under the, the mm-hmm. shadow of that it's it's such. A- I kind
1: of think he was, and then he was like, you know what? Fuck it. This is what totally for me. I'll <laughs> give you number two. Totally. Totally. Well, even when
2: I interviewed him, um, I was afraid I was fixating too much on Cuban Links, and you never want to do that with the artists, and just talk about their one masterwork, right? But right. that was what we were there for, and he 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 totally embraced it. He was like, this is my best shit. I know it is, and you know, be on the lookout for Cuban Links too. Blah blah blah. You know, but. Um, and then having said that, actually, real quick, I think Cuban Links 2 has aged incredibly well. I thought it was good then, but it was more like, oh, it's solid. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: He didn't, but, like, fumble. It was like, uh, oh, he landed it. Thank God.
2: Totally. totally. Like, all, all, all the new stuff that they added on, it wasn't just, like, a good thing to say on the one sheet. It was like, it was actually done. Like, all the yeah. new producers really created the sound. and
1: Yeah. And, uh, they, the uh, I, was, I won't give it away, but for our savvy sample listeners, they sampled that Bahamanian take on the godfather theme oh, and it is like so yeah, beautiful totally it's totally. like it's what that is one of the illest breaks and totally. it's you know clearly taking the mafia mafia godfather vibe thing like full circle and it's so mm-hmm. cool well
2: That's, mate you know, well
0: that.
2: well hopefully this will be better than or the upcoming one will be better than godfather 3 right
0: <laughs> 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 one, Sophia one Coppola. Two,
1: yeah. no dad <laughs> dad no dad <laughs> oh, she, luckily for her, she went on to make some good movies because oh, that yeah. was going to be her legacy for the rest of her life. Totally. But you know, uh, if, he,
2: if he closes this out brilliantly, this might be the greatest fucking rap trilogy. That's pretty crazy
1: that we have that as a possibility here. And, you know, I know this people get excited on these live streams. I, I myself have gotten a little bit excited and given away things on the live stream that I shouldn't have said. So who knows if this will
0: ever happen.
1: That's
2: true. Totally.
1: It's like, uh, I don't want to take it too seriously. He was clearly in the zone on that, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that
0: thing. but that's a reminder for you guys to check out the dad bought a rap pod live stream. Nice. 5 p.m. PST they be letting it go he just be dispensing I'm like Nate really he's out here telling the business Um, I gave my thoughts on breast milk last week it was great it was a great
1: Dave you missed a really good one it was quite quite the entertaining discussion
2: (laughs) you gotta let me uh, have one of those IPAs we're sipping on now (laughs)
1: <laughs> we should do a thing when when it's a little less uh, hazardous in the world. We should do a thing where I like drop off snacks or beers or something, and we have like make that part of the discussion. Oh, I
2: would love to. Yeah, love we to can work. we
1: can get that going. I'm probably not right as work ends on a Friday afternoon, but mm-hmm. if we could on a different day or something,
3: <laughs>
1: right. yeah. drop, um, off,
2: drop off some cubanos for Cuban links. Day. Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> some sausage links. <laughs>
0: Give <laughs> me a little soy riso, but yeah, I'm here, I'm here, right I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we got Cuban Cuban Link's 25th anniversary. Uh, we have a, a guest today that has written about Cuban Link's and pretty much everything ever having to do with rap music, uh, Dart Adams, who you guys might know from his work with uh, Poison Paragraphs and being a writer and contributor to all things hip-hop, Um very precise, dude. Very, um, he's about these dates, y'all. I didn't understand blessed and uh, cursed with oh. an
1: excellent memory. So yeah, totally.
0: I did not understand the the how important um, the proper dating of release dates was to Dart Adams, and you will understand very soon uh, why that is. But we are fortunate enough to have him on the program to talk a little bit about the forty over the forty best rappers over forty list
1: yeah
0: uh, do we want to delve into the list a little bit there's some stuff to
1: say about the list it's um i had some he,
0: things to say yeah
1: <laughs> yes he did that was a little surprising but yeah, yeah. we now know exactly where he stands and like i, I love someone where you know where you stand mm-hmm. it's like there's there's a very little room for uh misinterpretation there but um yeah you know it, every time there's a new list people get all excited Uh, the internet, especially Twitter, is kind of built on arguing about lists. I've made my joke that uh, arguing is the sixth element of hip-hop, weed is the fifth, um, many times over the course of the podcast, and we've made some lists in our time, and we have been, you know, clowned for our takes, and it's so funny that we developed this machine of the internet that can do anything you want it to and the main thing people want to do is argue about other people's personal taste totally it's just a weird corner of the internet that we find ourselves in and i keep wondering every time we do this if there's like some indie rock twitter where they're like no sonic youth's best album is sister no it's (laughs) Goo. no No, fuck fuck you man he was using drop d tuning on this and like he had this amp and it's right. just, I don't know what it is about hip hop that like lends itself to these arguments. But anyway, so, here we are in a new one. Well, if there if
2: there's an indie rap Dart Adams, I'd like to talk to him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah, I don't, what did you guys think about this list? It's, uh, say this is our lane, right? Like we're the old right. old rap guys or whatever, but I don't know. I just didn't, I couldn't get that fired up about it, but I did think some of the, the, the inclusions were somewhat surprising.
2: Totally agree and totally sort of agree with the take of some of the acts were sort of legacy acts. So it's like they try to have this framework of um, caliber of artists and who and who should fit. And then other people, they would just throw in there without the without the same credentials. So I don't know, man. Um, Again, to your greater point of lists, it's always fun to fuck around with, but it was kind of hard to get fired up around. Uh, around this one too yeah
1: i think we can all agree that puffy being number 40 and this this is the levels 40 over 40 list and i don't know if we mentioned that up top but this is what you guys can google if you're not familiar so we're not just like talking about some random thing but uh yeah just having puffy at number 40 just makes no sense to me even though there is kind of a fervent fandom for last train to paris and it's thought of as kind of a sleeper in that world i just i mean that i like no rock marciano like (laughs) totally
2: yeah absurd absurd no uh yeah um yeah no master ace come on come
1: on yeah master ace a- is a pretty glaring um omission oh yeah i sure.
2: mean this um i mean I, the point of this list besides you know besides getting numbers and having people argue about it is to give people flowers and it's like you're not gonna have master ace on the fucking list dude i don't know i don't know so anyways no and you know even personally it's not like i think he's the greatest but if you're gonna have a list of best over 40 you, you have to have Master Ace.
1: I'll, I'll say this. He, I think his work after 40 is just as good or better than his work from when he was a young man, oh, especially totally. in the, the album format. Like if you mm-hmm. go from kind of like long, hot summer forward, that's right. a Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that doesn't even take into account any cold, chillin' stuff or any Master Ace totally. incorporated. And, and it's almost like a different person. He actually has kind of three careers. Right, it's exactly. Cold, chillin', giant, cabbie hat, Master Ace. Right. L.A. Master Ace, the delicious vinyl. slaughterhouse and um, Born to Roll era and Master Mm -hmm. Ace Incorporated. And then kind of like Elder Statesman Master Ace. And Elder Statesman Master Ace is probably the best one. I don't know if you guys agree with that.
2: Yeah, I think it's the the easiest one to swallow. Because, you know, uh, the the L.A. Master Ace, you know, was good for Born to Roll. You know what I mean? And a couple other things. But I I also kind of checked out. But, I mean, you know, he's the king of consistency, man. Uh, I, I think you can throw in a song now and be like, yo, what, what record is that off of? And it's probably something he did semi-recently that could have been older. And the, and the rhymes and the execution is equally as good and thoughtful.
0: Absolutely. Damone, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I, 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 like, I like the idea of the list. I like at least that we're talking about rappers as having a longer shelf life than we used yeah. to. So even the idea that you could have a 40 over 40 list and and be able to debate about it and say that there are people who should have been included, I think is overall a good thing for the culture. Um, it says that we're able to kind of, um, you know, I, I want rappers to grow old. I want like right. great legacy acts. I was thinking about this the other day. It's not so much a riff on the list as just like I think LL Cool J should just have a record every couple of years, just like Green Day does. And yeah. like, I won't listen to it, but I think he should just be able to have it. Like, it shouldn't be offensive. If LL Cool J tried to release new material, a lot of people would take that as being offensive. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing trying to rap
1: still? Or like, accidentally racist, right? Damn. No? OK. <laughs> last, time, last time we tried to put up a new material it didn't go that hot. Um, <laughs> But, What's it called? But- so, I have a, a riff on that, moment. if you'll indulge sure. me briefly. When I first started working in the record store, we would have uh, checkouts. That's like one of the perks of working there. You could take your like five CDs and write them in the book, and you could take yeah. them home and listen to them, movies, all that stuff, right? So, you get your musical education. And uh, I checked out a n- new at the time Stevie Wonder album.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh friend of the program, Jeff Brummett, who will probably never hear this, but I am talking about right now, goes, dude what the fuck are you doing like why would you care like why why are you listening to a new stevie wonder record he's got like 40 good records this is not one of them he's too old to put out a good record and it was actually because it had a q-tip feature on it but i didn't know jeff that well so i was trying to make like a an argument and i was like oh you know don't you want to see what this like musical genius is up to at like 65 and he's like no (laughs) he was right it was awful Right. And I learned my lesson kind of more about like what to engage with and how to engage with him than like to not check out a legacy project. But I could like, I would go listen to him in my car and I would just skip around the tracks and be like, what does this sound like? It's not going to sound like 1984 Stevie big sure. Lindrum drum gated reverb. It's not going to sound like uh man eater or whatever. Like, what does it sound like now? It it all sounds like gospel, but uh, <laughs> though it's not necessarily,
0: but I think, uh, you know, I look at, at the legacy rock acts and I just go, rappers should have that. Rappers should have that lane. If there's people who wanna engage with that material, the, the problem comes in is that, uh, especially the kind of listical debate, rap circles are so consumed by perfection and this idea of having a particular catalog and this kind of pristine thing and how we rate artists by their albums And I just, I look at other things. It's like, yeah, Stevie Wonder has so many fucking records that it just, it boggles the mind. And yeah, the newer stuff is not as good as the old stuff, but let that man put out a record every year and tour that shit. Like Mm -hmm. somebody's into it. You know what I mean? And so I like that at least we're talking about rappers over 40, probably on that list, too many kind of legacy acts. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dart talks about it. Andre 3000's on the list. And I think he turned 40 like yesterday, like, he doesn't have a, a post. Right. There's right. no album to talk about. Right. Yeah, there's Just no it. <laughs> there's no work, but it's more like a list like this, and I'm not familiar with the level, but a list like this is basically saying, Hey, we've compiled the 40 rappers over 40 that you probably know about. Right. And that's and that's full that's stop. It. That's exactly what this list is. Mm-hmm. Like you probably know about these guys. There mm-hmm. are a bunch of other, especially underground MCs, who have had you know, very sustainable careers after 40 um, who are left off, and that's fine. I, I feel like, in general, I feel like rappers who can last that long do get better. I think their output in general, if you don't have a lot, it's like boxers, if you don't have a long layoff, um, typically your work gets, gets better because you master your craft. So,
1: mm-hmm. if- I want to in- interject something into this conversation before we move on, and I know we're kind of pushing it here, but um, Gary Suarez, who was just on the show, um, wrote about this phenomenon in his newsletter cabbages this weekend. And he pointed out, and I want to make sure to credit him for this. I didn't know this. Daddy O, formerly of Stetsonic mm-hmm. and uh, guest verse on uh, Inner City Boundaries, which yep. will tie into something you'll hear a little later, um, has a new album out last week. He's just pushing 60. Yep.
3: Ah, yeah. Look.
1: So take wow. that, America. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I, I will give it a listen. I'll at least skim through some tracks while I'm riding my bike or something. I have to know what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. I've always respected, Daddy-O. I think he's okay. great. I'll be yeah. very curious to see what 60-year-old rap sounds like, kind of to your point, Damone.
0: Wow. 60-year-old rap. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. I, I love the, the longevity of the form. It's going to show that it's not just a young person's sport. Um, so that'll be very interesting. Fuck. I can't, I can't imagine what that us oh, let's, let's do a little
1: homework. Let's all, yeah. let's all check that out and at least talk about it in the group chat if we don't end up talking about it on the show. I think w- whether or not we talk about it on the show will determine kind of our interest level uh, as we try to keep it posy over here. And we don't always talk about the things we don't like.
0: We don't, we don't. We just make faces on Zoom that you can't see. But we have of course, another program with dope interviews um, first up on this week's program, we have an actual hip hop historian um, who is very meticulous about his shit and has some very strong opinions about the list, as well as some other things related to hip hop and journalism. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dart Adams. bod Rap pod we have a dope guest on the line joining us here in zoom is a person who's familiar to many of our uh listeners he's a music journalist historian you might know him from his podcast darts against humanity as well as his many blogs including uh, poisonous paragraphs has been a contributor for npr OK player amongst other things um, and is also a spicy Twitter follow. We want to welcome to the program Dart Adams. How you doing? Good, good. Awesome, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. So we reached out. This is long overdue. You know, we're obviously fans of your of your work. Uh, we reached out because there was a recent um, listicle <laughs> that came out, and we love listicles. The fifth element of hip hop uh mm-hmm. about the best rappers over 40 which i know you were contributor c- contributor to um can you just tell us a little bit about how you got involved with that that project and kind of what your evaluation process was for for trying to select select mcs
4: okay here's the thing when you're me you're always on the outside so oh the list had already been that process has already been in action because the bigger thing was the big thing is the 40 over 40 list right and when you do the 40 over 40 list, in order to sell it you have to have media types that people know like the name you know on some um i don't know if you're familiar with the movie the perfect gentleman eddie murphy
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that.
4: You know, so the big thing hitches on his name, Jeff Johnson, was the name everybody knew. So the they distinguished gentleman, right? Yeah, the distinguished gentleman. I'm sick. So yeah, he runs for senate name. or
1: something. Yeah, I remember yeah, that movie.
4: Yeah, and he just got his old, he just got his old campaign shit, and just ran. And when he showed up, everybody was like, "That's the guy we voted for." Well, basically, that's the whole thing. It hinges around names everybody knows in the media, and the mainstream rap media of the people that were involved with that list. That's why it shaped out the way it did okay. What they brought me on for was to write the side joint, the side piece. The side piece was 20 best albums after 40. I could have done 40 best albums after 40, but as I explained in my podcast, pay grade. That would have been a lot of labor for a short amount of time. They brought me in absolutely last, So that would have been a lot of labor for the, for, for a short amount of time turnaround, right? which I did super fast. If I was to show you the desk in front of me and all the stuff I'm doing at the same time, like I'll be bullshitting on Twitter and I've written 2,500 words. <laughs> While I've been talking to you guys, I don't know if you noticed my hands move, I've written hundred words. Damn. Yeah. It's an impressive
0: so,
1: uh, like bifurcation also, of your thought process.
4: Also don't sleep, so it is, it is what it is. Now The thing but... is that they brought me on last. So they had me write this list and I had written my list and my list. If you know, anybody knows anything about me, follows me, knows that it. it's going to be 85, 90% underground independent rap. Because those are the people I'm, I promise you, those are the people that have defined what grown man rap is oh, for sure. over the past 20 years Absolutely. that it's been a thing. And grown man rap is pretty much rap made by guys who are 30 over or women who are 30 over. I wish it was more women, but unfortunately they end up getting pushed to the edges and the margins by the time they're 30, 35. So when I was doing the list, I had very few albums to come up with from women as opposed to the ones that Jean Grey did or Jean Grey did with Quelle. And she's not really rhyming anymore. Right. But like she'll do something occasionally, you know. And I don't blame her. So and I we kind I kinda of wanted to get that album in, but the problem is log jam. I only have twenty. And I hate being narrow cast. And what ended up happening is I had three albums I really wanted to be in the list that ended up being removed or having to be uh, taken out because it had to match up with the other list. Mm. Uh, okay. And the thing is that I can't complain about it because I'm work for hire. Yeah. And it has to match up with whatever level's doing. And they're paying me, so I was like, "Do you have albums you can swap it out with?" Like, "Yeah, sure." I get suggestions on one in particular, and that was um, uh, Daytona, which I didn't like. Oh, really? I didn't care. For, okay. I didn't care for Daytona at all. It's a seven. It's a seven-song album. I heard way better. Um, and so I wasn't going to put that over like the album that I removed it for. Was uh, the professionals, which is Oh No and Madlib, which a lot of people slept on because it came out in early January, right after the COVID uh, crisis hit. So I think like a lot of people slept on it, or like it got overshadowed by um, it got overshadowed by like some album that uh, was done by uh, uh, Freddie Gibbs and somebody, or like something else that came out the week after. Right, Because you know there's a lot of rap albums come out Especially independently So that album got removed And it was replaced by Daytona And I only had 20 on the list So that's what I did The 40 for 40 list itself I thought was Not done well I wasn't a fan of it I think half of that list needed to be different Mm. Um, There certainly to be some inclusions Of kind of
1: legacy Acts or people who are more producers or just like things where when they look look at the breakdown of like, what have they released? It's like, well, nothing, but they're the kind of person who should be on this list. So they're on this list.
4: In other words, you know what that means? The people doing the list don't know what the fuck they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Andre 3000 never should have been on the list. Are you going to make a list about 40 artists with the best careers after 40, and I don't see Master 8's?
0: Yeah, are right, you gonna right. make
4: a list for rap with forty artists over the age of forty who made the best albums? And I don't see Ed O.G. Yeah, I don't see Ra a. the Rugged Man. I don't see Bumpy Knuckles. Really? Right. Seriously. But we see Royce because of Royce's connection to people, and also he earned it. But Royce's connection to release the mainstream through Eminem and Slaughterhouse, and he's the name you know. Yeah, you know, I didn't see any. I didn't see Slug from Atmosphere. Right. Odd. Even even though you know there's a controversy going on with um everything that Rhymesayers, but right. still, we're making the list forty over forty. How in the fuck do you leave off anybody from Atmosphere?
2: Totally, totally. So, dark, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: No, no problem. No. Okay. Okay.
2: I was just going to, um, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Um, I just wanted to dive into your um, journalistic background a little bit. Obviously, I came across the Book of Dart, of course. I You know, you post about it all the time. And um, uh, I just saw your Cuban Links retrospective. Talk a bit about your relationship with Super Champs and how you uh, connected with Said, and, you know, what we can expect from Beat Tips coming
4: forward. Okay, so funny story. Uh, if you read the book, there's a personal essay in there where I'm talking about me being broke and everything else and how I needed to get this book done. And you look at the year. It's like 2008, 2009 is when that piece was written. I had actually signed with um, Saeed and Superchamp way back in 2007 to put out a book um, for uh, Poisonous Paragraphs. It was going to be the Poisonous Paragraphs book. It was going to be a, um, a compilation of my best pieces from Poisonous Paragraphs. It didn't come out because after I finished it and I put it together, I wasn't proud of it mm. because by the time it was about to come out, it was going to be 2010, and I felt I was way better as a writer, researcher, everything, than putting out a bunch of articles that I felt were trash. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... I wasn't proud of that album. Uh, I didn't want to do it. Uh, Saeed sensed it. I wasn't really happy with it. So he's like, we're not going to do it. What happens is years later, uh, he approaches uh, Yo, Yo Phillips. And he does the book of Yo. And that comes out, does well. Then in uh, 2017, I got approached by Saeed. He was like, you know, it's time you make the book. And so that process began between 2017, and 2018. Uh, then the editing happened and it was released October um, 2019. And it was a bunch of, it was like a bunch of older articles that I'd written and some brand new ones, some more recent ones. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ended up happening. But with my brain, I'm always thinking about the next thing. I'm always thinking about what I wish was in it, what I think was better. And that's where you have to have this conversation with yourself and an editor because things were chosen. One piece in particular I didn't want to be in the book, the Nicki Minaj piece. Mm. I... (sighs) Okay, so let me explain the whole story behind the Nicki Minaj piece. To understand, like, journalism and shit. I mean, okay, so... Back in the day, do y'all remember this th- this thing called AOL BBX? B- mm 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 mm. Okay, so this would be a thing called AOL Black Voices. Oh. And it was abbreviated to BVX. B- okay. And it turns out very few black people worked at Black Voices. I was approached back in 2010, was it? To uh, they said that they liked what I did on Twitter and they they liked what I did like writing style because at the time um Bastard Swordsman is my Tumblr at the time. So that's my new the new place where I write. And they were like, they liked what I did and they wanted me to write a piece for them about Nicki Minaj. And I'm like, oh it's like yes do what you do. You can't tell me that because what that means is go ham. Be you. Be Lower Roxbury. So I did. And I wrote a piece entitled The rap game ain't shit, but Barbie's dream house. And I sent it to them. At the time they were gonna pay me $125. So I sent it to them and they edited the shit out of it. Didn't consult with me, changed the title to something really bad and clumsy and I was really proud of myself because this is the first thing that I've done that's gonna be on AOL and it has this big following and I'm gonna connect it to everybody. I'm gonna post it on Facebook. That's how long ago this was, I gave a fuck about Facebook. <laughs> and I see it and I read it and I'm disgusted. And I tell them, uh, take that shit down. You said you wanted me to write it. You clearly didn't, you Johnny bravo me. For those that don't understand, Johnny Bravo, I explained it in my podcast. Johnny Bravo is a term I use for when they don't really want you. They just want somebody to fit the suit. You know, they want a name. And they're just going to take whatever you do, edit it however they want, and then post it up there. If you didn't want me to do the shit, then don't call me. Sure. And um, so I asked them to take it down. I still, uh, <laughs> I still sent in the invoice because I did my labor and I want to be paid. They paid me 75 for the $125. Um, and I then took it and put it on my Tumblr, Bastard Swordsman, as Dart Adams is a fucking hater, and I really went super hard on it. And Kathy Yandoli talked to me about it, about my tone in it, and she was absolutely right. I never should have ran that piece. I never should have wrote it. Mm-hmm. And even though some of the things I said in it are valid, I was mad and I came off like an angry man mad at a woman. Mm. Even though, like, I was more frustrated in the fact that I knew so many women in the underground and the independent world that were never going to get the same look Nicki Minaj got who might be more talented. And my other issue was that I knew that pe- women were in particularly um, hoping that Nicki Minaj did well because they might be hope for them. But I knew that if they were gonna sign anybody else, They were gonna have to be in the mold of Nicki Minaj the same way uh, in October 1996, October 12th and 19th, 1996, you had uh, Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown. And when they were successful, labels only signed women that seemed to be copycats or clones or, or rip offs of Lil' Kim. So that whole thing happened, but that was the one piece that I didn't really want to see again -hmm. But you know when you read it in the book, it works. Mm -hmm. That's why you need an editor.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that story with us. It's it's very interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you about your staunch commitment to getting release dates correct, and your kind of um, how like you're you kind of self applied like as the keeper of the correct dates like can you for people who may not be so ingrained in rap twitter for casual listeners of like Mm. podcasts etc can you explain why you feel this work is so important
4: um okay so you asked the question earlier and i didn't answer it but it's tied into it um the question was asked was how did i get into journalism i used to run i used to rap Back online, I started, like, getting into trying to promote my own career through uh, I was a member of pretty much every online uh, website or music board or something like that. And I would use it to try to promote my music. At the time, we used YouSendIt links. And I would post my music on YouSendIt links. And I realized people weren't responding to it. And I didn't know at the time, I was pretty much spamming. And then I realized that people didn't respond to anything I did when I was talking about my music. But when I talked about music or the history of music or the history of music journalism, or when I broke things down, I got a lot of engagement, whether it be on all hip hop, whether it be on um, uh, OK Player, whether it be on Descensus, uh, the Rewind forums in the UK, what have you. But I ended up, uh, so on all hip hop, there was this thread called school me on some hip hop. They gave it to me and they made me a moderator. So what happens is young people (laughs) come in and ask me questions all the time. So I'm always answering questions. So while doing that, I'm in the process of always going back and verifying information. Mm -hmm. And I realized that online, the information that's there is very wrong completely erroneous, but also I'm older. So I know that the drawback of internet information is that it's not always a hundred percent accurate. And the people online, if it's a sub, if it's a subset of something, or if it's a, a, a corner of the internet, there's nobody to verify the information. So they just take it as fact. That's how I ended up in a space I am. And plus with my memory, I actually remember when I bought albums, when albums came out, what songs, what videos were playing on MTV or or Pump It Up or what have you. I remember, like, going to school, the school year, what songs were in my mixtape, what songs did I tape off the radio. So I have an idea in my head of what songs came out when, what albums came out when. So when someone says this album dropped in October 1991, I'm like, no way, because the single was out in... February 1991, because this happened, this happened, and this happened. So there's no way the album dropped in October 1991. And that's pretty much how I ended up being the guy, because I'm one of the few people that actually can remember. But in the time of Twitter, what happens is you get certain followings, and you get followers that, like, come in that are older and can verify things. And then it gets to be a groundswell where, yo, He's right, you're wrong. But with the um, with uh, real-time social media, right, sometimes people don't care about facts. Yeah. But on Twitter, you have all these accounts that are based in um, anniversary um, content, but they don't fact-check and they don't verify and they don't double-check at all. So I, I'm somebody who can't shut up. So I just ended up by default being the person just like that's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Uh, we, it's, it's very interesting to, I believe you, like you have, you speak with conviction. So I believe like you've done your research on pretty much all of these arguments. Um, I'm, I'm imagining it's kind of thankless work though.
4: It's absolutely thankless, thankless work. Think about this. Um, De La Soul still celebrates their album uh, Three Feet High and Rising coming out on March 3rd, 1989, when March 3rd isn't even a Tuesday. And on top of that, their album debuted on Billboard on March 11th, 1989, which means that it's impossible for March 3rd, 1989, to be their release date because they're only eight days from the release to it debuting on Billboard. Their album was released uh, January 24th, or thirty first, nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Uh, me, myself, and I. The single was released February fourteenth, nineteen eighty nine, and that was the second single. Well, technically the third single from the album. So, like, and the reason I could tell you all this is because I've been researching this for five, six, eight years, and as time passes, I get and I do more stuff. I get more and more access to different um to different information and someone digitized something, and people just hit me, and it's like, yo, here, take this. I got this whole list. I got this whole thing from when I did a radio show. Right. Um, I-, I have uh, I have uh, these files from back when I stole all these records from the radio station, and I know, and it dates all the promos, so I know you're right, you know? So mm-hmm. as time passes, people appreciate me trying to get it right. And they helped me become more accurate, the taxes of time, because I didn't have all these different um, resources that I have now three years ago mm-hmm. when I just knew something was wrong. Now I can like uh, I did a post on IG where I said I didn't know if the release date of uh, Special Ed's album was July 24th or 31st, 1990. I just last night because I don't sleep. Found out that it was July twenty fourth, nineteen ninety, because I found an article from October nineteen ninety in Billboard that says the release date of the album. So it's it's a thankless job, but it's nonstop work. But nobody cares because even if you get it right, Slick Rick still says this album came out in November ni- <laughs> um, in November eighty eight when it came out December second, nineteen eighty eight. I know that for a fact because a lot of people got it for a Christmas gift and his album. Oh God, this album release party, everybody's wearing Christmas shit, (laughs) Like, Come on, man. So it's a thankless, absolutely a thankless job, yes. Because sometimes the artists get their own release date wrong.
0: Well, we we appreciate that you you do that work uh, for the culture and and hold that space. Um, As we wrap up here, is there any future DART projects that you want to plug?
4: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so right now, I'll just show you. That's what I'm doing right now. Okay. Right now, I'm writing the 30th anniversary piece for, uh, Boogie Down Productions' Edutainment album, which was released on August 7th, 1990, and not July 17th, 1990, like, um, albumism and Jesse Ducker said, uh, and basically the article I'm writing this, I'm writing is to she completely yoga frame, yoga flame Jesse Ducker for his Passover of the album. I'm doing an absolute deep dive into uh, everything having to do with this project because nobody ever writes about uh, edutainment. No, they no. just don't.
0: Yeah,
4: No one gives a fuck about entertainment. It's just the album is there.
1: But I'm doing. I feel a- like the term edutainment has outlived its origin in that album. Like the world became edutainment, mm-hmm. but the the context has been completely lost.
4: I mean, think about the fact that people don't know this either. They completely forgot. K- Karis one had an imprint deal with Electra in 1991 for his edutainer label, and he had Heather B. He had uh. Jamal Ski, he had Ska Danks, he had got Harmony signed to Virgin, Miss Melody was signed to Jive, and D-Nice was making hits at Jive. And he had just come off the success of, um, uh, oh yeah, Self-Destruction. And everybody was talking about the Stop the Violence Movement. And he had a new thing in the chamber where it was going to be Human Education Against Lies. Right. Right. So he was about to smash the world. He was on top of the world. Then he, then he goes into this album. Oh, and he, another thing that I'm going to talk about is how he started lecturing. Yeah. And I'm going to break that whole down because nobody ever talks about that either. That was a big part of this album. The reason why it's exhibit A, B, C, D, E right. is because they're excerpts from his lectures. Um, so I'm going to break all that down and do a real deep dive and completely like embarrass Jesse Ducker for putting out his piece, which came out July 17th, 1990. Mm-hmm and he just like barely scratched the surface on his album. So that's the next thing I have coming up. Okay. But, you know, there's a book on the way um, I have to finish writing called Nightwork. It's a semi-autobiographic book about my life, and it happens in a space that nobody really writes about. Uh, the era post the dot-com bubble burst in March 2000, but pre-9-11. Hmm. And what this meant for Gen Xers, their lives, and how we interacted with the world. And it was pretty much, if anybody remembers that time, man, it was, it was pretty much um, the wild, wild west for a lot of things. And it's all going to be outlined in the book.
1: So. Fascinating. So. Cool, man. That's awesome. Cool. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah well, just you're...
0: thank you for your time, man, you know?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. We, wanna, um, we also want to plug your, your podcast, Darts, Darts Against Humanity, which uh, I enjoy. Um, thanks for coming on the program, man.
4: No doubt, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Dad bod rap pod. That was our conversation with dart Adams. Um, A
1: man of firmly held beliefs.
0: Absolutely. But he, <laughs> he, he's doing the research and and God bless him. I didn't get to say this on the, while we were talking to him, but somebody has got to do this shit. You know what I mean? Like, you know how the guy goes around the fucking South in, in like uh, in the fifties and was like found every old blues man and asked Alan
1: Lomax. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: we, <laughs> hip hop needs that because otherwise you know we're gonna let twitter tell it you know ilmatic came out in 03 like we gotta we have to have somebody's gotta do it it's a thankless job we're glad darts doing it so we appreciate him coming on the program i just i just respect
1: anyone who cares that much about the thing that i care about you know what i mean like i don't i don't Focus on the dates per se you guys have heard me all say many times i'm more about how the music makes me feel and what it teaches me like i don't worry so much about the nuts and bolts but like i i'm just glad he's out there doing what he's doing and that he cares so deeply about this and that he focuses on the underground and the independent people and his whole riff about trying to fit gene gray and i thought was really enlightening for to his perspective and like i just i i I think what he's doing super cool yeah
0: appreciate appreciate him taking the time to Chat with us whilst writing a twenty five hundred word uh, piece <laughs> at the same damn time. I can't fucking pee and chew gum. <laughs>
1: and, uh, oh, it was very <laughs> edutaining.
0: Yes, oh, <laughs> played Nate. Nice. We uh we have another interview lined up for you guys. This is one of those where it's kind of lightweight. The whole reason we do this shit um, is we get to talk to people who we really have admired as music listeners um, in our development. And uh, be, through the greatness of Dave Ma, uh, we were able to get self Jupiter of the Mighty Mighty Freestyle Fellowship uh, to chat with us. So we, how about this? We'll, we'll gush about it on the other side because we were like small children um, as he was talking. <laughs> but we'll let you guys listen to it and then uh, we'll catch you on the other side of it. Here's our interview with Self Jupiter, dad bod, rap pod.
3: Let's take a day and just ride the
0: Dad Bod, Rap Pod, we're back with another interview. One of the reasons why we do this podcast is that we get to basically talk to our idols every now and then. Um, and this is one of those occasions we have on the line from the Mighty Mighty Freestyle Fellowship, um, also has a, a very deep solo career. You might know him from his work with the Cleaners and Kenny Siegel. On the line, we have Self Jupiter. How's it going, man?
3: What's good? What's good? What's man. up, Dave? What up, <laughs> man? Uh, it's a
0: it's amazing just to have you on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, we got to talk to Mike and I in, uh, a couple years ago, way way back when we started this, <laughs> and we're totally just fanning out with him. Probably will be the same right. with
3: you. Uh, well, I want yeah, to- I, I, I messed up. I uh, I think David had me. I, I was looking at one of the uh, DMs. I was looking at it, and I was like, dang. 2018, and, <laughs> and I was like, what? What could I've been doing at that time? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so it's like, so I remember you, you guys started. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I appreciate
2: that, man. Yeah, to, yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah, we I tried to get you on way way early. So
3: right. thanks for remembering but, that. Man. Yeah, I'm sorry it took took too long. You know, with the a it <laughs> hey, wanted to are. connect now. Yeah, yeah. Um. freestyle fellowship man
1: yeah do you do you mind if we start there i mean we'd love to hear some stories about the old days
0: here we, we go. Gotta... <laughs> right <laughs> uh, oh man how'd you meet the guys when did when did that happen when did you first encounter because you guys were all kind of uh kind of known entities in your own right right like how'd you how'd you guys end up coming together
3: i don't know if this is like i mean i'm sure we talked about this before, you know what I mean? Um, but not probably not on your show, but we grew up together. Um, me, uh, all three, all three of us, me, Mike, and AC, um, I say fourth, fourth grade or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, elementary. So uh, AC stayed next door to me, which uh, the building uh, in the jungles, um, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Baldwin Hills area. I'm sure you might, uh, not too far from the Park, maybe i Mile away from a mert, um, yeah, his um, you know Baldwin Hills, if you know L.A. So uh, the jungles. We um, I went to school with Mike, high school with Mike. Uh, AC went like I said went to elementary, like fifth, fifth, sixth or seventh, and then uh, junior high school. I didn't I didn't go to the same junior high school with any of them. Mike, I think AC went to junior high school together, Birmingham, up in the valley, or something like that, or somewhere right there. And uh, but I stayed in the hood. Or actually, I actually I went to Paul Revere, um, uh Me and Mark Jamal Warner went to, went to the same school. So is that right? But yeah, Mark Jermaine, Mark and Jamal. Yeah, he had a crush on my sister. You know what I mean? Uh, wouldn't give it up. Like, come on, man. Okay, you got the same birthday. All right. No, nah, no. But no, nah, um yeah, shout out to Malcolm Um yeah, uh yeah, grew up together and uh so we started uh I used to always sit in a um uh writers, uh they had a, a group called the MCAs <clears throat> and um I used to like, you know, uh, go uh, they used to have it over at AC's house and uh in his room and I used to come through there and uh Teaspoon, uh, T- Mike and Nine and uh AC and it was I forgot the one cat. Um, that was one of the MCAs old school. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah. So I used to sit in a sit in a the uh, writers the writing sessions and uh, and yeah, it was, was kind of my first my wig peeled back early days. But uh, Spoon was my one of my favorites. You know what I mean? I wish it was like you know more 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 stuff that he he put out. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, teaspoon.
2: So. um so, Jupiter, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, so go ahead. Um, you know, I, if you don't mind us jumping around a little bit through your yeah. career because it's so expensive. Um, but, you know, I want to I wanna bring up Kenny Siegel. Um, a yeah. lot of people, you know, are getting hip to his production with his uh, recent work with Billy Woods and Hemlock Ernst. But you guys have had a history. Um, talk a bit about how you guys met and, you know, break down um, the latest one. I think it was season two. Uh, that was mm-hmm. the last project you guys did together.
3: Yeah, yeah. Can uh, you talk
2: a little bit about Kenny and and your projects.
3: Kenny is the mad the mad scientist man, the young <laughs> kid with all the damn sounds and uh, <laughs> uh, you know loves loves gadgets and shit and um, yeah, remind remind me of um, uh, the Peanuts gang. You know what I mean with the, <laughs> the little the little um, uh, uh, piano. You know what I mean. Uh, Yeah, no, Kenny, Kenny was, you know, he came around really early in the um, uh, Project, Project Blow. I've kind of like, when I meet Kenny, gotta be, um, he was working a lot with Peace uh, when I met. um, I think they was working on a uh, album, Metallic shit or some type of shit, the album they, they, they was working on. I think I had first met, uh, uh, Kenny um around in the uh uh Daddy Kev had a club called the um uh, um what was that called back in uh, um, concrete concrete jungle mm-hmm. like jungle you know what I mean right, right. uh I first kind of I think I was on that scene of like uh drum and bass mm-hmm. and everybody going crazy with these uh you know Kev used to have the open mic or whatever we just you know these guys would come in with the drums and just, you know I mean, sample drums, going crazy, drum and bass, you know, just rapping So, um, yeah, and I think, um, like I say, Peace was always involved with uh, Kenny. So, I, yeah, I, I started working with, with uh, Kenny from, from, obviously, from Peace. Um, and then uh, we started, uh, I think we had a, we made a song back in um, 2003, um I never came out or nothing like that. I, I ended up going to jail or, jail or something, and then um, we uh, we uh, when I got out, we, we started work. He told me, he said, yeah, um, it's like 2009. He's like, yeah, man, Juke, you, you're one of my favorites, man. Uh, you know, really, um, you know, your your, yeah, you know, your music, your your, your lyrics, really kind of, you know, take the places or whatever. it's, it's um, imagine it. Magentarium, you know what I mean. You can, you can picture always. You know your words have pictures, you know, and and, and that's why I always thought producers, you know, uh, offer too. You know what I mean, as well as you see pictures in in production. You know what I mean. And sometimes when you are making music, you 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 get what the uh, the person that's making the music is getting to, but they just don't have nobody to represent them right. So, or you know what I mean, or take them to that take them to that place. So that's what I always kind, of, and that came from the fellowship, and even before that, because that's what my part of my style was. Just um, uh, you know, that that degree of um, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, making a move, kind of a movie uh, or making a scene, basically. And that's you know, it's funny I said Mike Jamal Morning because we was all in drama class um, early, you know what I mean? So. We, uh, and, that had a lot to do with it, with with how my my style kind of um, evolved, and that's why I say I like Spoon so much because he was kind of one of those guys, style Messiah, you know, you know what I mean, and or, um, you know the homie um Reality Born, uh, no, RBX, you know what I mean, them with the voice, you know, so it was like cast there really I kind of like, uh, you know, kind of wanted to like oh emulate not emulate but like but like oh but with the voice but with the, just the um, um, kind of the, the you know the delivery I, I should say, but but Kenny, um, like I say, he he we uh, 2010 we were like yeah let's let's do a um, let's do a project cleaners and uh, and that was kind of something that I, I before I had uh, went to jail I was on something like the cleaners um, just watching some movies I think it was like The Fender or something like some big guy coming the elevator the clean up man you know you know the story. Right. Uh, uh and and uh you know so we we made it we you know we kind of um um we kind of you know made made that into uh LP and uh, and it was dope and uh if you see a single and obviously the the videos didn't didn't uh didn't do too bad anyway, so yeah. uh, we had an animated animation video um uh yeah, really expensive animated video <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and so kenny um we end up uh going um yep doing a uh, season two uh and uh, now we've been working on season three so oh, that's great to hear so, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. so I,
1: I have a question but there's a little bit of a setup so bear with me so um in the new that recent michael jordan documentary there's footage of a uh they're all in barcelona for the dream team and there's uh, footage of this legendary scrimmage where it's all the dream team players just going five on five, no refs. And mm-hmm. like, it, it had been like rumored about in basketball circles for years, and we finally got to see a little bit of it. And I'm wondering if there was a night like that at like the Good Life or Project Bloat or just among the Fellowship itself, where it was just like a legendary session and everyone was rhyming their hardest and you guys were just going at each other. Do you remember anything similar to that or can you share what it's like to be in that cypher and in that circle with people of that caliber with us?
3: Um, Sure. I mean, it's so many different, uh, different, different nights or, or occasions, but... Um, I'd say people kind of wasn't really um, with that. Um, maybe a handful of people was kind of like wanted to get open like that. Um, I, I would say at one point there were, um, uh, uh, you know, going to New York. I don't know if that would be this. I guess it would be. Yeah, Dink. uh school. Uh, um, uh, what was it? Um um, Dinko D and and uh, Charlie Brown and pages um, of the new school rhyme buster Rhymes and I, you know but I they even the only one that was I remember really kind of impressing you know us was 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 Buster Rhymes but for but that was kind of after we kind of blew their wigs you know but they <laughs> obviously wasn't really um they they probably got open at at first but they didn't want to get into step into the how we got open and um um and it took a little bit of like oh should i can i say that or or you know like let it fly you know what i'm saying what you're afraid of boy you know what i'm saying like you know so we passed that point of like like holding on to something, we just let it fly and we didn't care if if if, if you know what i mean but right before somebody fall off somebody's jumping in so you know what I mean? So it it was like, let go. And um it was it wasn't too many people was was willing to do that, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Because because of whatever, I don't know. But we provided that when we started doing it, it was like, Oh, I can, you know, yeah, I can. And and we had a good support system, which was the crew. So and we ended up started being better and better and knowing each other to the point to where it was kinda like really weird, like to say, certain things at the same time, you know what I mean? Uh, very, co, like together, you know what I mean? Like, and yeah, weird. And sometimes um, some of the, our writing used to take on those things where it was like, you know, um, you know, we'll say one thing and we'll think one thing. We used to have a game like that where we spread out certain things at the same time, but not knowing we're gonna say the same thing and two of, two of them or three of them, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. would just sit there and just, just like, you know, we had so many different like classes, <laughs> classes of things to do when you are high, you're like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but it was always building and kind of like you know and uh, uh, um, you know uh, uh, uh like, and and yeah yeah and sometimes you just come with uh, you had other, you had homies like if you write with the homies or you brought something to the homies and then if they liked it, then they'll build, you know, take it somewhere else. So, yeah. Um, but to answer your question, there were nice, like like I say, it was, it was only with only with the the crew, um, the crew, uh, we was, we was able to like ganja K obviously. Um, but it got, yeah, it got really, and far side, I want to say, Maybe, maybe in a time, in and in maybe at their house or when they had the the uh, far side manner. You know, always a drummer or something like that. And, you know, but not like a serious like. You know, but I remember it was, it was battles between, like late night, early morning between like mad, like angry battles, uh, a c and peace. Like you know what I mean. Like angry, like <laughs> like, or Mike and AC or me and Peace or something like, where like we we'll just like you know instead of fighting, we'll just fight with words and but 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 appreciate it like at the end, like damn dude, you know what you just said, fool. You ki- like you ki- like others are like you killed that fool. like killed Peace. <laughs> <He> was. <laughs> you murdered him. And then, like it was just like you murdered, like Ace I'm like Ace, you got served, <laughs> you got served, Tommy. Mike <laughs> served you. leave that white boy alone, homie. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the, the peek behind boys. the curtain.
1: I, I truly oh, do. Man. I'm like I've listened to that music so much, but I know there's so much that wasn't recorded, and I was just trying yeah. to get some insight. Yeah. And you definitely provided yeah. it, so I appreciate it. Oh,
0: goodness. Yeah. Uh... Did you guys know you mentioned kind of going to New York? And um, I know mm-hmm. for me as a fan, when you guys were on uh what was it, Stretch and Bobito Um there you was know, yes, yeah, it was a it was like a point of pride, like right? Like, oh they get to mm-hmm. see, you know, our dream team is is over there. And so did you have a sense at that time, maybe around inner city that you guys would have the impact that you've had on the game? Did you have that sense amongst yourselves that you were on the vanguard of what rapping is?
3: Yeah, it was scary because it was like it was a lot of pressure, you know, if I remember correctly, you know, what I mean, there's a lot of pressure. Um, trying to pull, you know, like, like standard, like, um, you know, and then, you know, we didn't. a lot of people think like casting get along that like well, you know what I mean? So, especially when money was around. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was a lot of, you know, like, yeah, a lot of pressure. And, uh, um, but before that, like before the signing and all that stuff, oh my God, that was the real magic. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, you know, but like, you know, if you think about it, the, most of the stuff that we made, um, um, you know, after to whom to make concern was basically, Another level of tune to make you know, another level of tune to make concern was in the city. grey I Swift the live band, obviously, right. uh, with the live instrumentation with the, uh, JMD uh, uh, and Mathematics Ora uh, Ola, or, um, yeah, the, um, the Earthquake Brothers. Um, so, and in, in, and then you know, if we would have went. What do you go after that? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, shoot, I do after the industry degree. Um, so maybe it was a period of time where it was supposed to, you know, lay low or something. It didn't come back, what, I don't know how many years later with the, you know, can't you find, you know, yeah. and then <laughs> take it somewhere else. I don't know. Um, yeah, and I, I it wouldn't probably. <laughs> And you think of like the far side. You get, like I'm just using them because the, you know it was one of the groups that we that was signed, you know, um, at the time. That was a, <clears throat> a similar, um, that, you know, than us. But I, I uh, the thing was, uh, as far as record companies, um, they uh, they had they was better to to recognize what those artists were as opposed to um, you know fourth and broadway because you know think about it if um there was a thing you know um what if we would have signed with interscope and they were trying to get us over there Mm, you know i was and i wanted to question that dang that would have been crazy like death row and then you know and (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) you know but, but but obviously you know like they we would have been amongst artists and you know i think that's what it um, like yeah I know how to handle these guys or I know how to market these guys, or I know how to you know put them in, in a in a or get the most out of them you know what I mean um let's move them somewhere like you know what I mean there was a brain behind it was you know it wasn't too much a brain behind us, you know it was just like, oh, yeah these young kids you know this and that and you know but but you know um uh they like i say uh was kim Bowie she, she 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 recorded you know she did her thing if, I, if she put it for her probably wouldn't have recorded in the city of Griot, you know or mm. Rhode Island so uh, we end up you know um, with Chris Blackwell obviously some coming through uh, smoking us out when we did Mary you know what <laughs> I mean uh, I don't know if I got was at Larry B's or some stuff um, Hollywood um, well, but I, yeah he could he could smoke too. Yeah, he just no, he smoked you out. Like, you know what I mean? He, you know, smoke Bob Bob Marley out like, you know. Like I I I would think he, he you know been like a lot of sessions with him smoking that good herb. Um, yeah, so uh so yeah, as far as the um um you know, the impact um um like yeah that's why i say you know uh, sometimes it's never meant to to happen the way you know um fairy you know fairy is not meant to happen like that like mm-hmm. you know it's it's better that it you know it is what it is
2: yeah hey Jupe, i um i i want to talk a little bit about omid i mean i love the beneath the surface comp and um
3: yeah.
2: i want to talk a little bit about uh, when the sun took a day off and mm. Uh, What do you recall most about the making of that and just that whole time when you guys were being creative
3: and doing that with Omid? That was real easy, actually. Um, (laughs) No, seriously, um, I had a I had a a real, like I was bringing lyrics when I was going to jail. I was like, always write. Mm. If it was just a page or something, it was just something just to write. And um, I was going through uh, um, I remember meeting um, Omid for the first time when I uh, was at 90, um, was it 97? 97, 97, 98, 97. And, uh, I remember, um, the homie, uh, and nobody, they were, uh, students over at, uh, at, uh LMU, Loyola Marymount, And, uh, we used to always talk about, uh, the homie's, uh, uh pants being too tight. And, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, you, you know.
4: <laughs> and I will, really, really,
3: I, I clown today. You invented tie, You invented. You invented the the Thai jeans. You invented the, You invented that. Like, you was the first one. Like, really. <laughs> oh man. But like, yeah. No, nobody, But yeah. But um. But yeah. No, they were they um. They both came over to AC House with beats, and um, I used to um. You know, both had different types of uh, beats. I remember nobody had. I was like, oh, he killed it. He um. Uh, he uh, he liked the drums on – um was it Bombs Zombie? Or he did something um, and redid it or something uh, and made the snare off, like in a, a weird off, off beat or something. And it was like one of – it was one of the beats. It was, I think – oh, way cool. Yeah, way oh. cool. And, yeah, he, he clipped the the snare off that. And I was immediately a fan. I was like, man, you you're a monster. And um and I think he had a, a group I think called Bomb Zombies, I think with no with no can or thing later on. So but anyway, but um yeah, they gave me a couple of beats. Um nobody uh or O Me uh had the Sonic Day off. I think we both I think did that if I'm not mistaken. Um or it could have just been Omid. But um I had something that was going to that. Um but they didn't know that though. So when they gave me that, I think it was like um they was telling us that they had time at LMU. They were doing some type of uh, <clears throat> they were doing a study or or their um they were doing their uh they had action at getting getting the the, the studio and they wanted to do a thesis or something, um, on hip hop or, 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 or the group or, or something, I'm not mistaken. And then um so yeah, we ended up I think we ended up getting kicked out of that LMU. <laughs> but we end up recording on uh, that. But um but yeah, so the the two weeks I mean um the sun took a day off it was almost um it was how I thought it would be when I thought when I was like oh man this is something that could have been on Inner city um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and uh, cause But like I say it was just that um Opening up something that just automatic just bring bring you there and it, it, you know the the music already had you there really you know yeah you the, the the different sounds there. it was all weird um um so yeah and I was and I had something that's that was that was forward already so I, I, I as soon as I told a uh, shared it with AC he was like he was like man you crazy. And, um, <laughs>
1: Man, it didn't go like that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I love yeah, that song great. so much, you're man. I, Such I a great story, like story song. Too, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, so I just wanted, you brought it up a little bit earlier, and you mentioned the. Um, can You Find the Level of Difficulty in This, which is an amazing mm-hmm. song and one of just the purest displays of rhyming ever put to wax. But I, I wondered if you knew or if you tracked this that it's it's kind of still influential um, rap Ferrera, aka milo references it on his new record yeah. and elucid also references it on the new arm and hammer record so those right. are two of the best records from this time like uh, those are uh, in our world right. those are those are a big deal and those are people right. we're tracking yeah. really closely and i know you worked with milo previously yeah. on his uh who told you yeah. to think album so i was just wondering if you were right. kind of paying attention to that stuff and if you were you know that yeah, that, that, that meant
3: course. to you <laughs> yeah, yeah. um you know Kenny Siegel. I'm always gonna have like the new you know bumping it a year before it comes out or somewhere, yeah, <laughs> six months or something you know what I mean, of course, man, I'm a boys is the homies um yeah man i'm I'm always impressed with just um just that feel just makes you feel really good that like you know someone is like um like they didn't let' they didn't let us down like I, I still can like get the goosebumps again you know what I mean or and mm. uh, feel that like somebody's bringing it like you know wholeheartedly you know what I mean yeah. and uh mm. yeah and um and yeah so when I hear the, and they you know obviously gonna always make um like they know I'm listening so it's like oh or they know the homies is listening that's good because at the end of the day that's who um we made these songs And I'm thinking of fellowship it, it was kind of just the people that you looked up to, to hear them. You know, you wanted a Rock him to hear your shit, like, you know what I mean? You wanted a Big Daddy Kane to, like, you know, sit down and be like, wow, like, you know, you know, like, if you can hear us, you know, you, you probably can hear yourself, so, mm-hmm. um, you know what I mean? So, that's, we was kind of making it um, kind of for them, you know, mm-hmm. and not, you know, not tripping on like who else hears, but like, I mean, my idols hear this, man. They're going to like, I just, I'm just, I just want some feedback. Like, mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, a lot of times, yeah, um, Run DMC definitely gave us that in, in person. Wow. Um, you know, yeah, came back full, full circle. Um, yeah, Redman, I mean, just cats, like, the MCs, the real ones, you know, the roots, like, the real ones, like, you know, probably lightweight verbatim, like can say some of your rhymes verbatim, you know. um, I know, you know, um, uh, most deaf (laughs) and uh, Talib, you know, definitely know verbatims on your lyrics. So you might hear something real like, (laughs) if we were somewhere on a bus or like, (laughs) and like leisurely like traveling or something, you know, they give you a bar of your own shit. <laughs> dope. That's cool, man.
0: That is, yeah, yeah, that is so dope. Uh Thirty plus years in the game, never fell the fuck off, as promised. Uh, <laughs> we we really appreciate never
3: off uh, I mean, <laughs> I was listening
0: the other day, and it gave me goosebumps because still, you guys are still. Every one of y'all is is incredibly relevant. Still has the sword is sharp. Everybody still spin bars. So. We we just really really appreciate you coming on the program man. Thank you so much. Word. Yeah,
3: thanks for having me guys, man. This is what's up. Yes yeah. sir. Yes sir. Wow. Yeah, well um, keep keep um yeah, keep keep doing what you guys doing, man. And um I also appreciate, you know, you um even like um understanding, you know, the the parallels mm. and and bringing them to like viewers to like, you know, um, even if they didn't know me, they can go into the, you know, go into my drawer, my junk drawer, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and the sure. me too. So that's what it's for. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Thank you so uh, much. Yeah. Thanks, man.
2: Thank you so much, Jew.
1: Appreciate hanging out with, uh, with you. All right. Peace and Take
3: care. Something happened.
0: Something happened. Something happened. dad bod rap pod that was our conversation with self jupiter how cool was that
2: man what a nice guy man and you know like he has such a presence on his records and i felt that through the screen uh just just so present while he's talking to you and careful and thoughtful with his answers man it was great it was great we're just we're we're just fanning out
1: uh i have to say kind of wish i had said it while he was present uh straight up living legend like, oh, yeah. um, like yeah. to me, all all of the members of the fellowship are legends, and mm-hmm. what they did for hip hop and the records that they made are really important to me, and I think the culture at large. And they, to me, their early records, especially the first two, represent how f- the freest that hip hop ever got. Mm-hmm. Hip hop is mm-hmm. a very regimented right. art form. Really, it's like confined by right. the breakbeat and the sixteen-bar format, right. and they right. they burst through all those barriers and. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but his name is Ornette.
0: Yeah, I didn't get to get to, be, to it. He
1: appears to be named after Ornette Coleman or named for the same reasons as Ornette Coleman was named. And uh, mm-hmm. he's like the fucking Ornette Coleman of rap. Like, that's totally. so cool. Totally, like, totally. It just what, what his early work. And I do like the cleaner stuff with Kenny Siegel. And I love the stuff he did with Milo and the that he's kind of the guy from that era who's the most in tune with the stuff mm-hmm. that we're following and the continuation of that. And it was a really cool moment when he acknowledged that. And I'm like mm-hmm. going to hold on to that. But um, his, his style of rhyming and his deeply soulful, but yet free approach to the craft of rhyming is mm-hmm. fucking inspiring.
2: Totally. Totally. And you know, the way that he refers to it as um, getting open, mm-hmm. you know, this guy got open. I, you know, we're getting, you know, open. it, yeah (laughs) and it makes so much sense i mean they're sort of flouting of boundaries you know and and just the framework of rap music they just fucking kicked the doors open on that one so it's really it was really cool to hear it from his mouth i mean just straight up about getting it open and it's like
0: yeah this is the freest rapping dude ever you know yeah their their freestyle fellowship is the high bar Right. It was, I love Nate's kind of dream team reference. Cause that's, that's what they are for me is this idea of these are the Titans of this sport mm-hmm. um, and no <laughs> as evidenced by uh, the fact that they're all, they're all still active. I mean, AC alone's verse on the new blue and exile. I was like, still got the sword. The sword is still sharp. You <laughs> still got it. Um, and so it was great to talk to, to Jupe and kind of hear um, that, he understands his his place. And I kind of can't help but compare and contrast it with when we talked to Mike and I and when we were little podcast babies. But he had a similar kind of like, yeah, I know what we meant, but also it's all good. Like there wasn't like this huge ego, like, right. let me be one of the four best rappers to ever do it. Like you'll totally, never do totally. It. But he was very, very chill, very humble, but also aware of of the impact of freestyle fellowship. And I would love, God, if there was a VHS tape of when they was trading versus with leaders of the new school. Ugh.
2: Oh, man. That Ugh. story about Busta is so dope, Ugh. man. And, he said and how everybody, like, man. gives them, everybody get, ha, ended up giving them props that they ran, ran into, and people can spit their own lines and stuff. It's so dope, man. That was, that was really great. Uh, I, what a privilege.
1: I, I wish you guys could have seen how active self Jupiter's mind is through his eyes. Like, we really, someday, someone give us a TV show so that we can show you <laughs> these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you could, like, see him searching for the next thing, and I bet you what he was really doing, and maybe I'm putting too much on this, but I've seen some of the great freestylers in my day. Oh, at yeah. That shows, especially, he wasn't searching for the next thing. He was searching for the third or fourth thing. He was right. after, he a couple of And hits. his eyes were kind of darting mm-hmm. around, and it was really fascinating. Um, he He's a big dude, and he has a very... Um, Commanding presence, but he was also very like light on his feet and thoughtful. Totally. And I, I just thought that was rad, man. I just, I that, I was like really glad to spend that time with him.
0: Yeah, we're we're 100%. super grateful. Uh, another solid booking by the book god Dave Ma <laughs> in the building. Um, yeah, so we we could definitely fan out. So now in our freestyle fellowship Pokemon, we've just got to get peace <laughs> and AC alone. I would it, say AC
1: alone is a, a possibility someday.
2: Yeah. If you guys are really listening though.
1: Yeah. If anybody has personal connections, uh, DMs are open. DMs are open.
0: I, I had an interesting interaction with Peace one day, which I'll talk about on a on a future episode, perhaps. We'll we'll hold on to that. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we appreciate you guys tuning in. As usual, we are the dad bod rap pod. You can find us on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, uh, we're on kiki.co.uk. We're also on the socials. You can hit us up at DadBodRatPod on Twitter, at DadBodRatPod on IG. Most likely, if you're listening to this on a Thursday, um, two out of three of us will be on IG Live on uh, Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time if you want to... Uh, tune in. It's been a cool little spot, folks. You can come through, ask questions, uh, see Nate's re- uh, Nate's record collection. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a cool vibe. So we're gonna keep that going. It's a place to come and interact with us. Uh, yes, Nate. I did
1: kind of an elaborate record deal over the weekend, and uh, one of the things <laughs> that I got out of it was a big stack of new instrumentals for while we're talking. Sick. Okay. Yeah, I okay. have some stuff, but I have kind of like it's in weird things in the closet like I, I now i have like 12 things i'm not gonna have to go pull them and like be like damon talk so i can go put the next record on i have like i have like the little setup going a little bit better so like tons of like golden era instrumental like especially bootlegs and stuff of stuff that oh, is so not really out there so you're the, you're you'll, the you'll see if you come it. hang out with us on friday it, exactly it's like college radio you need the beds
0: yeah that's what we're gonna say music beds yes exactly sick Sick. So yeah, definitely come come hang out with us. Watch Nate uh, drink IPA and blow his vape pen. Um, <laughs> it, it's riveting television. Is it television? I don't know what it is. Whatever. I don't know what, what it is, is either. From Screaming. fake radio to fake TV, Dad Bod Rap Pod is out here in these proverbial streets. Uh, anybody got stuff to plug? Plugs? Hair plugs? Full <laughs> circle, baby. Oh man. Well Not done. yet. Not well yet. Done.
1: I will have something to plug soon. Um, but yeah, no, it's just appreciate everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. I know we all have a lot going on in our personal lives, but this time we get to spend you together and making the show means a lot to me. So thank you.
2: Likewise. Thank you for all the awesome production work and Damone with the constant consistent hosting no man this is actually fun just like being able to fucking talk to self jupiter and you know kind of nerd out and it 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 makes all the um scrambling worth it
0: (laughs) appreciate you all right all right so we want to thank everybody for tapping in remember every thursday new episodes this has been episode 130 uh and we will get back with y'all next week dad bod rap pod Mm